0: How's it going, everybody? So today I want to discuss the question of symbolism and and symbols, not like not like musical symbols, but uh, like uh, you know, what does the symbol of a of a red octagon mean? You know, generally it means stop. Okay, if you're driving a car, stuff like that. Except I particularly want to discuss uh, the question of symbols in and and beauty. I was I was recently watching a news segment done by EWTN on the schism in the German church uh, currently. Right, right now it's uh, February 2023, and so that there seems to be at least a, a prelude to a schism, if, if not actual schism existing de facto, uh, within the German uh, synod, kind of, their national synod that they're having. And this is mainly over um, sexual ethics, particularly as involves Q issues, okay? So those issues of homosexuality, transgenderism, and, and the like. Now, I, I don't necessarily wanna focus on that in this video. Um, I've, I've done plenty of other videos addressing my thoughts on homosexuality and transgenderism, LGBTQ, all of that. So you can go back and find find those. Uh, I believe they would be in the in the one tens, like a hundred to hundred and ten area um, for my episode numberings. But I think if you just type into my channel "sexuality" or "transgenderism," or you look up my uh, social issues playlist, you can find them there. But while I was watching this interview or this this um, segment, news segment, uh, they were panning had a bunch of shots of some, uh, what would apparently be German chapels and uh, churches. And there, there were quite uh, blasphemous and sacrilegious uh, things on their altars, uh, particularly gay gay pride flags on the altar, <laughs> kind of using them as an altar cloth, which is particularly why I would call that a, a, a sacrilegious type of a, an action. But, you know, doing something like that, putting a, a gay pride flag, LGBTQ plus whatever pride flag, on the altar and using it as a type of an altar cloth, that symbolizes something. You know, one might say, oh, well, no, that's not sacrilegious. It's just a flag. What's, what's the difference? I mean, what's, what does it matter? It's just a piece of cloth with some colors on it doesn't matter. And this would be a very, uh, a statement that is rooted in a philosophy that is antithetical to to Catholic philosophy. Okay. What a statement like that says when when they say, oh, well, you know, it's just a, it's just a jumble of atoms. What does it matter? It doesn't, symbolism is all in your head. It's just what you make of it. You know, the same line of thinking says things like beauty is in the eye of the beholder. Okay. And, and that, that phrase uh, will be key to our our discussion today. But I want I want to argue that Catholic philosophy and therefore Catholic philosophy, which informed Catholic theology, and vice versa, is is completely trusted to that sort of a view about the nature of symbolism. Symbols are not simply constructs of the human mind in order to make a point, or in order to just describe something that we think or that we perceive. A gay pride flag, yes, it is It is uh, empirically, simply a, a cluster of atoms um, organized in a certain way, um, and then, you know, it having been manufactured by human beings, okay, sure, yeah, empirically. But um, But to say something like, well, all that it is, is this cluster of atoms, is to really have one espousing a type of philosophy that says that all that there is, is atoms, you know, and if, if I think a rainbow colored flag symbolizes something, then that's only connections being made in my brain. Um, and you know, therefore that that's all the value that it has. The symbol only has the amount of value that I give it. Okay. is kind of what this, this philosophy would say because In the end, the symbol is simply a construct of the human mind. Now, a Catholic philosophy would acknowledge that yes, yes, of course, a symbol is a construct of the human mind, but that's not all it is. And that's not uh, the reason why it is. What it is, <laughs> okay? Um, if I see a gay pride flag, yes, there is a reality to the fact that societally, human beings have given that flag a a meaning that it did not have before. I don't know when the gay flag flag originated. Probably some point in the 1980s or the 1990s. I would venture to guess. It may have been sooner than that, but I would venture to guess it, it probably wasn't before 19 the 1960s and. So, so, yes, the gay flag, fr- pride flag does have meaning because society gives it, gives it meaning. But then you have to ask, well, why did society give it meaning? Okay? Why did society give it meaning? And once it has that meaning, is that meaning independent of what society says of it? All right? At least while said symbol is, is in use. Because, because certainly, certainly, um, symbols can go in and out of use. All right? The rainbow throughout... History has symbolized many different things, one of which was God's love for mankind. Through the destruction of the vast majority of humankind with the flood, in what well, with the, the early chapters of Genesis, I believe it was Genesis Genesis 10, I believe 10 through 12, I, I want to say. So you know, the rainbow symbolized something then, and it still, of course, it still holds that symbolism. Um, over and above, we we would say. The gay pride flag the LGBTQ community really stole that symbol from us but um, you know as, as such it was it was as far as I know it was never really a um, throughout history a, a banner that could be could be made I think largely because because we did not have uh, the ability to make so many colors in a in an economical way and put them on a flag you know anyway I, I don't think I need to, to go into that claim too much there, because it's not a terribly important one to my argument, but I think I would say this. A, a symbol may very well be given its meaning initially by uh, society, by groups of human beings, or, or individual human beings, okay. but as it comes accepted by society, it, it takes on a meaning that is more real than simply something that was constructed by the human mind okay as as a group of human beings acknowledges the reality of a certain symbol the, the meaning of a certain symbol um, it, it begins to gain sort of an, an autonomy all upon its upon its own now yes again in in the one hand it is true that the symbol gained its meaning initially from a human being or a group of human beings but that those human beings gave that symbol uh, that meaning for a reason that was not arbitrary, okay, for, for example, uh, the gay pride flag, it symbolizes uh, diversity. Well, what, we would, what, what Catholics would consider at least a, a perverted understanding of diversity, which not only includes rational, rational types of diversity, but also irrational types of diversity, including types of, of insanity, okay, which is what we would consider the transgender movement in, in particular to be, um, and, and also the homosexual movement to be a, a, a form of maybe not so much insanity as much as a, a disorder, a, a, a biological and a psychological disorder, but, but that, that largely uh, springs itself from, from the biological. There, there's something wrong uh, or odd with the person's attractions. Okay, this is the same thing with pedophilia. You know, there, there's something wrong biologically with the person's Attractions. a a normal, healthy human being uh, should not have attract- sexual attraction towards a prepubescent human being. <laughs> okay, that's that's not normal. That's a disorder. Okay, in the same way, homosexuality. Uh, a a normally functioning bio- uh, a, a normally no, biologically functioning human being should not have attractions to the the same sex. Um, it, it makes no sense biologically speaking. Um and naturally speaking. And so, you know it, by definition, it's irrational. okay? and then and then I think the transgender movement really brings it a whole nother level uh, to the point of, of insanity, where it's not just a a a disorder that someone needs to to work against their emotions, their their initial inclinations, okay? that that would be what I would consider to be a disorder. Um, but insanity would be, a person has a view of reality which is absolutely not in keeping with reality to the point where they start lopping off parts of their body and doing things that are utterly detrimental to their own lives, their own biological lives and their psychological lives. So, I, you know, I, I do think there is a a, a very serious distinction in degree between I mean, something like homosexuality or pedophilia and transgenderism. I I, I do think that there is there is a distinction in degree. Um, they're, they're all disorders, um, but I think transgenderism is a, a a further degree of disorder to the point of of, of insanity, because of, of the amount of a break with reality with which it with which it brings. Okay. Um, now I, I want to say, as a caveat, you know, I'm I'm not trained, psychologically in any formal way. Okay. These are just observations that I make. Um. And 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 I think it's you know, it's perfectly fine for people to, who, who are maybe not experts in a field. You know, I'm not an expert in, in any of these things that I talk about. Uh, the only form, formal education I have is in mathematics and uh, surveying and, like, geography, basically. So uh, everything else that I've done has been through self-study. But th- there's, there's a value in that, uh, in that even though one may not have formal education in something, uh, one, one is still able to speak on it, I think, if they've done enough, enough study and can, can prove that they are at least somewhat conversant in the topic all right you know if i was a complete ignoramus of ecology like somebody who pays absolutely no attention to the workings of the human beings around then sure you would be able to i think dismiss my view and 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 i you know and the point is is i may not be using all the technical jargon that that is uh, important for conveying specific ideas within a formal field of education but if someone Kind of understands what I'm talking about. They can track what I'm talking about, and they can understand my my logic for for what I'm saying, even though I'm not an expert in in that field. Okay. Anyway, apologize for the the tangent there, but um, yeah, the question of symbolism, like like, at what point does a symbol become real for us? Because another thing that I noticed in this news segment with these videos of the German churches and chapels. Was uh, their crucifixes, or I don't even know if you could consider them crucifixes anymore. But th- there was there was one that was like a wire frame, and it it like was was utterly utterly obscure. Um, you know, it had the cross in it, but then it, it basically just had like a a semicircle for Jesus's head. And then, like some lines for his arm, like it was basically like a stick figure with a semicircle for a head, and the cross itself was just basically lines. I mean, it was just made out of metal, and there was no, there were no distinguishing features on it. You know, it, it was. I think it could be assumed that it was some sort of a resurrexifix, which you know also has really confusing symbolism and and attached to it, okay, really confusing symbolism attached to it, that is not uh, theologically coherent, okay, and I I can explain that later, I think, but that was one of these crucifixes, and then the other one was, um, it was solid, but it looked like it was made out of, like, metal, but hammered, hammered metal, or, or it could have even been, like, a stone, you know, chipped stone, and the, the the, the cross itself was was kind of normal, I guess. Although it was just the, the color was odd. It was just this very gray, ashen color. The whole thing. The, the cross was the same color as Jesus on it. It's a, just a very gray, ashen color. And then the the, the corpus on the cross, Jesus, the, the depiction of Jesus on the cross, was you know you you could tell that it was it was Jesus. It had it had a decent amount of detail. You know, it had it had feet and fingers and hands and you know, uh, toes chiseled out of it. Sorry, I kind of said that backwards, but chiseled out of it. And then it had like basic facial 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 features chiseled out of it. But the, the eyes were like these hollow sockets. Okay. And it, it was kind of the, the, the absolute opposite of a Resurrexifix, I guess I would say. Uh, although it, although I think it was in the stance of Resurrexifix, which, for those who don't know, a resurrects Fix is when they kind of place Jesus as resurrected on the cross. And it's just, it's a very odd form of symbolism. I mean, it doesn't doesn't make coherent sense with Catholic theology. Like, Jesus did not rise on the cross. This was a temporal thing that happened. There were two different events. It was not one singular event uh, that occurred happened at two places in time and in, in locality, okay? So, to, to, to put Jesus resurrected on the cross, the, the, the symbolism is to, uh, I, I guess, to, to emphasize, really, the resurrection over, and to a certain extent, that is true. You know, the, the, the crucifixion, in a certain way, was a means to an end, but in a certain way also, it was not a means to an end. It was an end in of itself for the sake of teaching us how to suffer, Um, And to know that God Himself suffers with us, and we suffer with Him. Okay, a resurrection fix tells us that that oh your your sufferings we're just gonna kind of cover those, cover your pain, cover your suffering, and it'll all be okay because the resurrection's coming. All right, we'll just kind of move past our suffering and just focus on the resurrection. Okay, but but that um, that's it's almost like a utopian idea. That we would be able to only focus upon the, the eschaton, the, the last times, the, the resurrection and, and, and final glory, without being aware of our present situation in life, which, you know, has suffering constantly. Uh, that There is no way in life to escape suffering. There's no way. You can't do it. Even if you have everything you could ever want, suffering will find you in that either psychological suffering or physical suffering or both or spiritual suffering or you know you you name it you can't get rid of your suffering in this life okay so that, those are just some of the things that i would say are are, are wrong with the symbol of the resurrection fix there are many more you know it, it it downplays the sacrificial nature of of the mass you know when it, when a resurrection is put in a church where Mass is said, right? It downplays the sacrificial nature of the Mass, which, which has been a huge problem over the last 60 years in the Catholic Church is, is, a, is really a, um, a Protestantization of the way that we view the Mass. Viewing it more as a, a supper than a sacrifice, or, or maybe even it's not just a matter of emphasis. Maybe it's, you know, so, some people think that the sacrifice thing, oh, well, we've moved past that. It's all about the supper now, you know? Union with Christ without the cross. It's basically what this is. It's, it's heaven without life. It's, it's heaven without the cross. You can't have heaven without the cross, people. It doesn't work. You're skipping a, a necessary step. It, it's impossible. At some point, at least, you're gonna die. That's gonna cause you great suffering. Hopefully, you will have suffered through your life enough and been trained enough in, in the way of the cross that you will uh, be able to perse- persevere through that final test of death, um, embrace the suffering as Jesus did, and be resurrected through it. But we're not resurrected in spite of our suffering, we're resurrected through our suffering, in the same way that Jesus was. He could have uh, very well not have died, he could have snapped his fingers, and there wouldn't have even been a need for, a resu- for his to resurrect. You know, I think, on the one hand, that's true, that God could have snapped his fingers. But on the other hand, it would have been... He he would have the power to do it, but I think it wouldn't be within his nature to do it because of justice, and also because of mercy, which justice and mercy are two sides of the same coin. You can't have one without the other. If you have too much mercy, you have, like, I don't even know what you would call it, but if he has too much mercy, you have, like... a a type of person who just lets somebody do whatever they want okay you have like too much mercy is what creates spoiled children (laughs) and people who don't know how to suffer basically too much justice creates a a hardened a hardened individual who who will you know potentially treat others in the same way without mercy but it could also lead the person to to just collapse in despair okay what i'm I'm getting at here guys and and i know that i'm kind of hopping off my last Trying to thought, but I, I want to say this because I'm running out of time. What I'm saying here is that symbolism means something. It's not just a construct of our minds. Okay? An individual symbol, maybe um, at least at the beginning, but but over time, it it, it takes upon uh, a reality of itself, and and that reality lives on apart from its creator. Okay, not in the way of like a living being. Okay, symbols aren't aren't living, but but they are real, okay. They are they, they do mean something dependent of what we think of them. Oftentimes, you know, especially especially, and I think this is where we would the gay flag flag would differ from the crucifix, you know, a symbol that that represents a particular event in history, okay, like like the crucifix. It it literally represents something real at that point, and its meaning is is literally real and so to do something like to to mold it in a way to where it's only um wireframe and it it barely represents the actual event is is to not convey the reality of that event it's to to make the event itself symbolic or or mythical all right and that that's i think that really gets at the heart of the issue of of this sort of nineteen seventies like idea about architecture and beauty, this like it, it's almost like an over symbolization of things to to where they they no longer mean anything. You know the the what is his name J- Jackson Pollock paintings. You know it's just splatters on a canvas. Um, it does not mean anything at that point. It's it's not art. It's art because somebody calls it art, but just because you call something a name does not make it what it is. It is something dependent of what you call it. All right, this is, this is the crux of the difference between a realist metaphysical philosophy and a nominalist metaphysical philosophy. If you want more uh, definitions of that, go back to my very, very early episodes and um, listen to my episodes on nominalism and metaphysical realism. Okay, a true Catholic Understanding of symbolism is rooted in a realist metaphysics. All right. That's basically what I want to get at. And it means that symbols, particularly symbols that, that, um, that represent real events. Okay. Or real people, statues of saints, um, the statues of the blessed Virgin Mary, the crucifix, what have you, um, churches themselves, stained glass windows. These things should be realistic enough to represent the person or the event that actually happened otherwise they're devoid of meaning all right thank you.